Welcome to the Brew News Podcast, all the news that's fit to be brewed. I'm Andrew Jennings. And I'm Travis Matherly. Join us as we go a little bit deeper behind the breweries of your favorite beers and learn about new breweries from around the world. We will be exploring the history and beers of craft brewers and hope to showcase the amazing talent and variety found within the craft beer community, both in the U.S. and abroad. In this episode, we will focus on Sierra Nevada brewing. So, Andrew, what was your first experience with Sierra Nevada? I've had Sierra for years. Um, I'm pretty sure my first Sierra was actually Torpedo. Um, I don't think it was the Pale Ale, but I know I've been having that beer since you know 2008, 2009, shortly after I started drinking good beer. Um, it got over that you know college crap here. <laughs> but yeah, that was um, definitely, I've been drinking Sierra for years. Yeah, I think I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I've been drinking Sierra for a long time. It's one of my like favorite larger craft breweries to buy beer from. I always love their mixed packs, their mm-hmm. seasonal mixed packs, um, the beer camp stuff, which we'll get into here later. But I think the first one I ever had was probably the pale ale because I didn't get into IPAs for a while. Yeah. But I do remember having torpedo maybe God, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. And that's what really got me into Sierra Nevada. And then it, uh, you know, we ended up going to the brewery a couple of years ago while we were in Asheville for a friend's wedding. I was not with you. I went a few years later, uh, just on a anniversary trip, but yeah, <clears throat> that was, um, it's a big brewery. <laughs> we'll have to touch on that brewery here a little while yeah. too, because it's magical. But yeah, uh, Sierra, it's definitely one of those, uh, breweries that you know that i've seen them for years and it makes sense they've been around for more than you and i have been alive but um they've been doing craft beer they have a very unique bottle they have a very um they've started getting to canning recently um, but that little shorty bottle that was definitely something that you know like that drew me to them i'm pretty sure yeah torpedo had to be my first sierra so okay. well i guess we should uh, learn a little bit more in, uh, about sierra nevada brewing So Sierra Nevada was founded by King Grossman um, back in 1979. Uh, He was uh, a home brewer that originally he was from Southern California. Uh, He fell in love with the Chico, California area um, sometime in the 70s. He was up visiting some friends from college or just out. I think he was out bike riding is what their online history history said. Um, In 79, he opened the Sierra Nevada brewery in Chico. it actually began as a homebrew shop in 76. So he had been uh, getting hops and materials and whatnot for other brewers for about three years before he started brewing his own beer um, for the masses. He's been doing homebrew for years. Yeah, I think it said something like he's been homebrewing since the 1960s. So he's probably one of the OG original craft brewers in the U.S. Yeah, so in terms of craft brewers, um, so we'll Sierra Nevada is actually the third largest craft brewer in the U.S. Um, the number one, we can debate if it's a craft brewery or not, is Yingling. Although I, I guess technically yeah, it counts. So uh, I checked in on that. Yingling does classify because they changed some of the definitions of a craft beer uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago. So Yingling moved from macro to micro breweries. Huh. Um, yeah. No, well, there they go. Uh, number two is uh, the Boston Beer Company or whatever. Yeah, Boston Beer Company, which is Sam Adams. Uh, and then number three is Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. So this, when we say old school and big beer, that's this is this guy. It's these guys. Yeah. Uh, 
the original equipment for most of his brewing was actually repurposed dairy equipment. So like, you know, he's in the, the very beginnings of the craft beer industry. And I think he said he drove to Yakima, Washington and asked for hops. So what he actually received were rough cut whole cone hops. And that has become the differentiator and what makes Sierra Nevada beer, Sierra Nevada beer. They only specifically use whole cone hops. That is really hard to say multiple times in a row. Well, get used to it because we're going to be talking about whole cone hops and all the hops all we can. Uh, So um, the first beer they actually brewed was not a very hoppy beer. It was actually an American stout, which they still brew today. Um, That's actually shocking to me because I would have just assumed off the bat that it was the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Which didn't come along until 1980. Uh, so Sierra, uh, some of the bigger breweries do a great job of providing a ton of information on their site. Uh, we did reach out to Sierra Nevada. Um, unfortunately, I think due to our time frame, they did not get back to us. So we weren't able to ask them any questions specific. But we have about two and a half pages of notes because their website is so uh, detailed about their history and everything they've done. Um, so 1980, they have two beers. They have their American Stout and they have the Pale Ale. The Pale Ale became the beer for Sierra. Yeah, that is arguably their flagship beer. If you think of Sierra Nevada, you think of that limey green. That little green bottle. Can with the Sierra Nevada mountains in the background and their specific ribbon label that says Sierra Nevada on it. Yeah. Um, By 1981, they had added another beer to it. Um, This was the Celebration Winter Ale, which to this day they still make in the winter. Yes, and it is a seasonal, which we'll get into that later, but I look forward to that beer every year. So we should look forward to a little bit of history, too. Uh, This is considered (laughs) one of, if not the first, American IPA. So this style, the American IPA, is very different. Um, We're planning on doing a whole different um, pod pod series on beer types, but you can look it up. There's multiple IPAs. You have... um, Typically, it's your British and your American IPAs. Mm-hmm. Your British IPAs tend to be a little maltier. Um, they tend to be a little sweeter. They're not these hop-forward monsters that will uh, you know, dry out your mouth. Uh, the American IPA, the style is just so broad. Um, and you can really thank the celebration for that. Yeah, and then I think if you go from American, you can break it down now to where even it's got regional. So it's East Coast IPAs versus West oh. Coast IPAs, New England IPAs, the yeah. Juice and Haze Craze, which we can get into, and which Sierra Nevada has ventured into with one of their latest year-longs. Uh, by 1983, they had the Pale, the Porter, and the Stout were all their main beers. And this is where they get into another one that Sierra Nevada is really highly known for to this day is the Bigfoot Barley Wine. And is one of the first U.S. examples of extreme, I'm using air quotations, brewing. It's high alcohol, high hops, high malt, high everything. Just taking everything you have and shoving it in a fermenter and seeing what comes out. And honestly, I'm not a fan of what comes out when it <laughs> comes to barley wines, but that's just my personal preference. I have not been a big fan of barley, vine, barley vines, barley vines <laughs> but I'm excited to try this one uh, tonight. Um so in 1984, they had grown out of the little dairy equipment that they were using. Um, so what Ken did is he actually went out and bought a 100-barrel copper brew house from Germany. Remember, this is before the American craft brew craze has really taken on. Yeah, say that one three times fast. Yeah, American craft brew craze. Um, so, that is, so he had to get his equipment from somewhere else. So he bought this 100-barrel uh, German system, uh, a copper system from Germany. Unfortunately, he didn't have anywhere to put it. 
So, <laughs> so enter where their brewery is on 20th Street in Chico. They moved the 100-barrel system there, and then in 1997, 10 years later... 87. Well, 87, sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah. They opened the 100-barrel system in 87. You're right, you're right. Yeah, and then in 1997, 10 years later, they expanded again to another custom-built 100-barrel system made by German coppersmiths in Chico. So, yeah, the Chico Brewery now can brew 200 barrels a year. Uh, sorry. It's 200-barrel yeah. system. Sorry, 200-barrel system, not a year. That's way way too low. Yeah. Because <laughs> as we discussed with Oscar Blues last week, they're brewing several hundred thousand barrels a year. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were the ninth largest brewery compared to the third largest microbrewery. Mm-hmm. Um, micro in quotes again. These guys are brewing in the neighborhood of you know close to half a million barrels a year. Um, in 2004... Um, they installed hydrogen fuel cells at the Chico Brewery. And this sort of goes back to one of the other aspects of um, uh, Sierra Nevada. They're trying to brew a beer that um, their promise to you is every bottle, can, or glass of Sierra Nevada beer, it promises to be as bold, wild, and un- unwavering as the Sierra Nevada mountains. Sierra Nevada also focuses on sustainability and responsible farming for their ingredients. They promise to only brew beers that they want to drink. So this, again, is falling into line with our episode the other week on Mother Earth and what we're seeing a continuing theme in all of these craft breweries is a lot of focus on sustainability, environmentalism, mm-hmm. you know, farm and earth to bottle, that kind of stuff like we touched on. And these guys really started it though. Yeah, they really did. And uh, they launched in 2014, 2015, they opened the Mills River Brewery and the Mills River Brewery in North Carolina, which is just 20 minutes outside of Asheville, is this huge facility. And it is actually LEED Platinum Certified, which is the highest certification that yep. you can obtain. So they, uh, we talked about you know, Mother Earth being Gold Lead Certified, um, but uh, Sierra took it up a notch with their Mills River Brewing. Now, their Chico Brewery is not Platinum, but their Mills River, their newer one is. Um, a lot of times with things like this, older breweries, old buildings have trouble converting to that newer certification because uh, a lot of it has to do with building materials as well as some innovation and things like that. So it's very difficult to convert an old building. Um, Mother Earth was able to do it, but they weren't converting a brewery into a newer brewery. They were converting a, a warehouse into a brewery. Yeah. Um, so going back to their history, um, they installed those fuel cells at Chico. Um, they also created a 10-barrel brewery tiny 10 barrel brewery in chico for a r&d center in 2005 yeah then they went so far as to install solar rays which is the largest private array um i believe for a brewery uh no largest private array in the u.s oh wow yeah didn't realize that and then this is where we want to get into a little bit of 2009 they created what they called the torpedo so that is not only the name of their extra IPA, the Torpedo, it is also a device that they created called the Hop Torpedo. So they called the extra IPA uh, because they needed something to differentiate themselves. Um, by 2009, the IPAs had come out in the U.S. Um, Green Flash is a little West Coast brewery down in um, uh, where are they? San Diego area. They've been brewing exclusively IPAs for years. Sierra Nevada didn't have a IPA to call their own. They had their celebration, of course, uh, but that's a once a year thing. So they created the Torpedo, uh, the device to create their Torpedo IPA. Um, now, we did talk a little bit about this when we talked about was the hopback system. It's the hopback system for Mother Earth and how Trogues has what they called the hop cyclone, I believe, is mm-hmm. what it was. 
But what the hot torpedo is, is actually pretty cool. Um, they take the beer after it's gone through, it's no longer wort, it's actually fermenting at this point, and they will pump it through a, essentially looks like a large torpedo that's full of whole cone hops and just pump the fermented beer into there, into the torpedo and back out, back into the fermenters several times during the process. They do this as it adds a bit more of the um, aromas and the taste without any of the bitterness for the IPA. Yeah, so it's a way to infuse those great flavors that you love in your IPAs like citrus, pine, uh, you know, your tropical fruits and that kind of stuff without getting that resinous bitterness that cranks up the IBUs in your IPAs. So uh, just quickly going through a little bit more about them. Uh, in 2014, they launched the Beer Camp Across America series, which is a beer fest collab series. It comes out once a year. It's a 12 pack variety where they do one-off collaborations with breweries from all around the world. So we encourage you to look for that when you see it because there's some really great different styles of beers and showcases from breweries that a lot of times you don't ever get to find in your local market. Yeah, and Beer Camp was also a beer <clears throat> festival. It was a roving beer festival for a couple of years. They did it, I know they did it last year. This year they did not. This year they instead decided to have adult fun and games at their breweries in both Chico and Mills River. Um, yeah. So that's what they called Beer Camp this year. Hmm. Um, but in the years past, it was a roving beer festival. They had one in Raleigh, North Carolina and Chicago, Illinois last year. I think they had four or five total last year. Yeah. And so Andrew mentioned the bottles earlier. They're very unique little, um, kind of stubby looking bottles. Yeah. And, uh, if you know, founders brewing, they use the same shape bottles for their beer. It's uh, purposely designed to stand out and ID it as a unique beer compared to other ones that you might see. And, uh, you know, again, we touched on the really strong environmental factors. They recycle and compost 99.8% of their total solid waste. And if you're ever in Mills River at their brewery, I would describe it as Willy Wonka for adults. <laughs> you pull up and it is this long driveway with this huge gate to get into the property. It's like 40 plus acres, I believe. They grow a yeah. lot of stuff for yeah. the beer on the premises. There's this huge restaurant. Everything is copper. There's stuff for electric cars. There's a amphitheater, outdoor beer gardens, all kinds of stuff. It is just this phenomenally like done to the nines place. And I love going there when we go to Asheville. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> because of this, um, th this is yeah, going back to like their differentiators. What did they do to make themselves stand apart to get this big? Um, it comes down to their hops and their ingredients, but mostly their hops. Um, they are the only brewery I know of that exclusively uses whole cone hops. A lot of breweries will use pellets, especially your big macro breweries like your Bud Light and your, Bud Light's not a brand, Budweiser and your Anheuser-Busch InBev, all those, they're going to use pellets. A lot of home brewers use pellets because it's, one, there's a lot easier to get hold of, and two, in theory, it works the same. It should do the same thing for your beer that a whole cone hop will do. Whole cone hop is just the plant. It's it's not pelletized. It's just the, the hop part itself. And I guess I'm not doing a good job explaining what hops are. Hops are buds off the hop plant that we use to drink beer. <laughs> yeah, they're botanically similar to marijuana and hemp, I believe. Yes, um, they're a weed. Uh, that's why Wicked Weed calls themselves Wicked Weed because they're... I believe we did touch on that. Yeah, and they're they're a weed. They grow on uh, these twenty foot, usually twenty twenty five foot long uh, stems that just shoot up out the ground. Hop farms are essentially giant telephone pole farms with lines running up them, and then the hops just grow up, and you 
trim them off and every year they just grow back. Yeah. And I think uh, that pretty much does it for the history. Uh, you know, we do touch on that. They bottle condition a few beers. They do use a blend of open and closed fermentation just depends on the beer. But uh, speaking of beer, let's go ahead and get into some of their beers with their year rounds. They obviously have the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, the Torpedo we've already touched on, the Tropical Torpedo IPA, which is somewhat newer, I believe. I think it came out about two or three years ago. Yeah, That's when I first saw it. They have the Hazy Little Thing, which is a new IPA, and that is their foray into the New England style hazy, juicy IPA. One of my favorite styles. Yeah, They have Sidecar Sidecar Orange IPA. And that may come out as Sidecar Pale Ale, depending on where you are, because I've seen it both ways in the bottle shop. Yeah. Hop Hunter IPA, Nooner Pilsner, Keller Weiss Bavarian Wheat, a Porter Stout, Old Chico brand, Crystal Wheat, and then one of the other beers that we'll have tonight, the Otravase Goza. Mm, yes. Um, seasonally, you can get their Hot Bullet Double IPA in the spring, Summerfest, just a summer ale. In the really, that's not a fall beer. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, Summerfest in the summer, Oktoberfest in the fall, and then every year they still break out the Celebration uh, IPA in the uh, winter. Now, one thing about the Celebration is it's fresh hopped. It is a wet hopped beer. Yes. That's why they can only do it once a year. And it is phenomenal. Yeah. I love that beer. So when we say wet hopped or fresh hopped beer, what we mean is usually hops are taken off, dried, and then you brew the beer throughout the year. Hops can only be harvested one time a year. It's a weed. It's it's an annual. Once you chop it down, it's gone. Um, so uh, wet hop beers or uh, uh, fresh hop IPAs or pale ales or whatever they are, the hops are still wet. They're still moist. They've just come off the vine. They just toss them into the to the wort to make the uh, that beer. So it releases a has a completely different mouthfeel. Creates a completely different complexion, taste, uh, aromas. Um, it's really good. Uh, but they're really hard to get. And that's why you only see them in the fall and the winter is because that's when hop harvests happen. Yeah. As some of their other beers, the High Altitude Series includes their Bigfoot Barley Wine, which is one of their staple beers. The Optimum Triple IPA, which we will be tasting tonight. That is a strong triple IPA. And their Narwhal Imperial Stout, which is a really good Imperial Stout. They have a, some more specialty series as well. They have their Estate Series, which is brewed with only estate-grown ingredients. Uh, they have their Trip in the Wood series, which is a series of barrel-aged beers, and that includes maple, scotch, ale, in bourbon barrels. I think I have one of those sitting in my beer cellar right now, uh, <laughs> just waiting to crack that bad boy open. They have some barrel-aged versions of Narwhal variants, and they do have some Bigfoot variants in there as well. I believe one year, last year, they had a ginger Bigfoot variant. Yeah, and I think I saw at the Mills River Brewery one year, and I should have bought it, um, they had a uh, salted caramel porter. Um, what I didn't know when I was buying beer that day was that uh, that one was a brewery exclusive. Yeah. So that is <laughs> something to touch on. Having been to their brewery, they do have beers on tap at Mills River Brewery. And I'm sure in Chico as well. I've just Certainly. never been yeah. to Chico where they exclusively only sell that beer at the brewery. It's tapped in that keg. You might be able to get some growlers of it. Just depends. I have seen signs of there before that say no growlers on, you know, this one. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if you're ever up there, look for the brewery only exclusive ones and at least do those. Yeah. One of their uh, Otter series, which I think is pretty cool, is the Ovilia. Ovila? Ovila. 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 I don't know. There's only one eye. Um, but it is a collaboration Abbey Ale with monks, actual monks, from the new Clairvaux 
Monastery, uh, which is actually located right outside of Chico, California. Yeah, I've never really actually seen that beer around very much. It's really hard to get your hands on it. Yeah, I'd really want to get a hold of it. It's usually, um, it, but this is a true Abbey style. Um, it's it can't be called a what was. Trappistale. Yeah, it can't be called a Trappistale, but it's pretty darn close because it is brewed by monks. Um, we'll get into the history of Trappistales in a much later episode, but um, that's which all. I do love Trappist and I'm, I'm working on Belgian it. Belgian yes, <laughs> I'm working on it. Dang it. Um, but uh, so beyond that, they have a lot of um, seasonal twelve packs that come out, and then they have they hide little beers within those twelve packs. Um, so one we had recently was the four way IPA, which comes with their tropical torpedo, which you can get year round, mm-hmm. but it also has their no good IPA. That's K N O W good IPA. Their no middle grounds coffee IPA and their flip side red IPA. Mm-hmm. You get things like the party pack, which includes a Sierra Baza Mexican lager and a Kolsch beer. Their fall pack has a ruthless rye IPA, a Vienna Amber lager and a Tumblr autumn brown ale. You get things like coffee stouts in the winter pack and the holiday haze IPA, spiced ales, um, experimental hot pack. There's just so many yeah. different packs throughout the year that they put out in the, one of my favorites. I think they put it out. It's the snow pack mm-hmm. um, has a coffee stout in it. That might be the winter pack. That's the winter well. pack. Okay. That's what they, call, they switched the name. Yeah. Um, but they also have four packs that are unique. They have the experimental hop, the Southern hemisphere hop, single hop and fresh hop. All of these contain an IPA, a session IPA, a double IPA, and I think they all have a Pilsner. One of them, two of them don't. Um, one has a lager. One has an IP, uh, IPL, so mm-hmm. India Pale Lager, and one of them has the Fresh Hop Celebration. Um, mm-hmm. But all of these are done with some sort of different, they're trying to really go for the hops. So the Experimental Hop Pack, all those beers are made with experimental hop varieties. And by what we mean by experimental hops, we mean hops that don't have names. They're being crossbred. These hops are constantly being bred and uh, changed just to just to draw different flavors and tones. And that's what this pack is made out of. The Southern Hemisphere hops is strictly hops from Australia and New Zealand, just like the uh, the Oscar Blues IPA. It was all Australian hops. Yeah. And then your single hop pack, obviously, is showcasing a single hop variety in each one of those IPAs. And the fresh hop is going to be fresh hopped ales like your Celebration Ale. And we also touched on the beer camp and already talked about that, the collab beers from breweries around the world, um, changing every year, the different breweries, different styles every year. That's like the majority of my Sierra Nevada check-ins on Untapped when I looked through it. I haven't had any, I haven't seen that this year. I'm wondering if they're doing it. Uh, God, I hope so. I think. Because it usually I, used to be a summer release. Yeah. And we're, but it we're is. vastly running out of summer. Yeah. I'm going to have to delve a little deeper into that and see if I can't find if they're having that or not this year. Huh. Well, that's that's a lot. We covered about thirty, uh, what, almost forty years of history. Yeah, that uh, all that history made me thirsty. Let's go ahead and try drinking some of this beer. Have you ever wondered how you could join the Brew News crew? We'll swing over to Patreon.com/slash/BrewNewsPod, and you can join us. We have three different tiers for all of our patrons. At the logger level, you earn early access to all of our podcast episodes. At the IPA level, you get early access to our podcast episodes, but you get special weekly beer tastings that are done by various members of the crew. And you get special video presentations, including our Beer Miss Special. 
at the stout level, you get everything you get at the IPA level, but you also get to appear on one episode of the Brew News Pod, and when we have some swag, we'll send some your way. So feel free to swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod. That again is patreon.com slash brewnewspod, and join the crew. All right, so we are starting with one of my favorite from Sierra. Um, it came out a few years ago, and I fell in love. Um, this is the Otravase Sour Gosa. Uh, it is 4.5% alcohol, 5 IBUs. They say it has a sweet, tangy blend of native from... Is native grown? Grown. grown. Yeah, this, That is this, a <laughs> fat finger mistake there. Sorry about that. Native grown prickly pear cactus and grapefruit. Uh, it has a tangy twist on, on the nearly extinct Gosa style. I know that's what they're saying. Um, Gozas are back in fashion now. Yeah, they are. They've really come back. Um, you know, everyone, every brewery that you look at now says they're like, oh yeah, we saved the nearly extinct style. It's like, Gozas are everywhere now. Yeah. You, and I love it. We have a brewery in Greensboro called Pryor. Um, they seem to do, they do a lot of different things, but the two styles that they almost invariably have, is like two or three Gozas and two or three milkshake IPAs. They always have those on tap. So at least for us, this is not an extinct style. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of Otrevase. Uh, the cactus, it's a different Gozo. Mm -hmm. It's not overly sour and puckery. This is a one of those good intro Gozos for people that aren't sure if they are going to like Gozos. This is my go-to um, post-mowing beer, usually, because I can get it almost all the time. Or I can keep it in my fridge. Uh, my wife stays out of it. She doesn't like sours at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a perfectly safe beer. It, it has that little bit of sour bite at first but then it also immediately goes into that distinct salty characteristic mm -hmm. which i really is one of the great things about gozas yeah so that back end is just fantastic um it's not not too sour the i think the cactus blends really well with the um with the grapefruit i don't get a ton of grapefruit flavors but i do i taste some of the cactus yeah it, and grapefruit it's a little citrusy but at the same time it's also very effervescent it's very bubbly it almost reminds me of a, um, almost like ginger ale. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's effervescent like a ginger ale. Um, but man, that's good. Mm -hmm. I could drink six years of that, and I have. So <laughs> why don't we go ahead and try our next beer in line, the BFD. All right, so the BFD is uh, the beer for drinking. That's what the B and the F and the D stand for. It's like the BFT, but BFD. The, the beer for gaslighting? Big friendly giant. I know. Road doll. Come on. Get, get it together. <laughs> that was not one of my favorite roll dolls, actually. Um, well, let's not get into books. British literature. We can't enjoy British literature. I mean, <laughs> We can, but not on a beer podcast. I'm just saying, if we're going to go British, we have to go Rudyard Kipling. He's, he's my favorite. Well, I mean, J.K. Rowling, of course, has a, a soft spot in everyone's heart. Um, at least our generation. So, Travis, what about the BFD? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a golden ale. It's four points... 8% alcohol by volume. It comes in at 33 IBUs and they say it's a beer that hits all the right spots for when you just want a beer. It's nothing fancy. It's unfussy, uncomplicated, hoppy golden ale. It's not a beer for collecting. This is a beer for drinking. Which probably means it can't, it doesn't age well. No, probably <laughs> not. I don't, I don't know many golden ales that do age well. So uh, this is actually the first time I've had this beer. Um, even though this is, this is one of their more, uh, their newer regular beers. Um, the nose smells hoppy to me. I was not, I'm not expecting that from my golden ale. Yeah. So it is a more hoppy golden ale. It's lighter smelling. It's refreshing. 
it's got this crisp hop smell and aroma to it. It's, um, I guess I can't remember if I said citrusy right now, but you have now I have now it is citrusy and the palate is really nice and light. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. The, the nose sort of builds up expectations for it that the palate just doesn't quite cash to me, but it's still good. It's not, um, I don't dislike the flavor. It just, the nose makes me think there's going to be more of it. Yeah. So I think it's more of like this great aroma coming off of it and you drink it and it's way easier drinking than you would expect it to be. So for people that maybe don't like the bitterness of IPA is a hoppy golden ale. This is a good Mm -hmm. place to start like a hoppy golden and a hoppy pale, something like that, where you can get used to that. Or hoppy pilsner or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are usually good intro, intro to hops. Yeah, this BFD, it comes in a 12-ounce can, but it also comes in a stovepipe. And the first time I ever had this was actually just a couple of months ago. I found it in a beer store in West Virginia when we were up for a half marathon race. (laughs) So uh, ran a 10K that day at the half marathon. That was confusing. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) I only ran the 10K, but uh, this was the perfect beer for... A post-race. A, a good beer for drinking, one might say? Yeah, it's a great beer for drinking. Well, fantastic. Well, I guess we should get ready for the flagship. So now we are on to the Pale Ale. This is the original Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, hand, they call it a handcrafted ale. It is the American Pale Ale. It's 5.6% alcohol, 38 IBUs. It is a delightful interpretation of a classical style. Um Deep amber color, exceptionally full-bodied and complex character, generous quantities of cascade hops with fragrant bouquet and spicy flavor. Uh, that's their definition, not mine. Uh, as yeah, for, and this is a, I mean, this is a fairly hoppy, I would say, pale ale somewhat to me. Yeah, I usually think of this one as fairly hoppy. Um, 38 IBUs is not that bitter, but it is... I mean, we have the hazy little thing coming up, and that's only 40 IBUs, so this is fairly close to an IPA. Yeah. Um, it's nice. It's it's good. This is good drinking beer. Um, it's a lot like the BFD. There's no frills here. There's nothing crazy going on. Um, the Cascade is a good hop for this. It's not overly bitter. It doesn't um, make you – it's just good. It's just good. Yeah, I really enjoy this one. It's a – like I say, it's a good like little twist on a pale ale without be, trying to be overly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, this is like a go-to drinker at a restaurant if I can't find anything I like on their beer menu. A lot of places have Sierra Nevada, and they should have a pale ale if they have Sierra. But uh, what are you picking up on the nose, Travis? You know, not a lot. No, it's, it's clean. Yeah, it's really clean. It's not any one thing like standing out at me. This smells like I thought the BFD should, and the BFD smells like I thought this should. Yeah, so there again, we run into like backwards from the styles of like not getting what you expect it to be. Deep amber color, I don't quite get. It's a little more... For a pale ale, it is deep amber color. Yeah, for a pale ale, it's deep, but when they say deep amber color, I'm thinking, you know, you're starting to get... Thinking like a amber ale or yeah. like a, something like the Gaelic ale? Yeah, something like that, and this is a little lighter than that, so it's like a golden amber yeah, yeah. to me. It's dark for an, a pale ale, but that's about it. It's not as pale as a pale ale. Yeah, and that spicy flavor, uh, 
I get a little bit of that. Again, it's not like a heat spice like we've talked about before. It's more of like a coriander. Not a coriander this time. <laughs> it's more of like just like a peppercorn, like yeah, just like a little bit of a bite. There's a little something on the back end. Yeah, it's a little bite. It's that floral, mm-hmm. herbaceous spiciness that you would associate, not like a chili pepper. Well, I think that takes us to our next beer. Yeah, let's get into the Hazy Little Thing IPA. This is, as we mentioned before, this is Sierra Nevada's venture into the New England IPA juice haze craze that has swept the nation. It is six. It is now officially a style that you can medal at the Great American Beer Festival. <laughs> it is. It it's, is. It's real, and I wish you could rolling your eyes. Well, I really do. <laughs> I mean, it did. It, it's. Yeah, it's become a thing. And I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I love New England IPAs. I like. Hazy, unfiltered, they're juicy, they're really great. Um, I think it's interesting that Sierra Nevada chose to get into that. Um, but Hazy Little Thing is a good beer. You've seen their beer portfolio. They are getting into everything. Yeah, they they do it all. This comes in at 6.7% ABV. It's 40 IBUs. It is an unfiltered, unprocessed IPA straight from the tanks into the can. So the description on here led me to believe the way they worded it, that it started as a brewery only beer that they just solely served at the breweries and that the brewers made for themselves at first uh, because it required no processing, mm-hmm. no filtering. They would just take it off the tank, tap, keg it, tap it and go with it. And it was something for them to enjoy that they didn't have to muss and fuss with once it was out of the tank. They hadn't run through the bright tank. They didn't have to crash it and uh, sit it and crash it, sit it and crash it to get all the yeasties out. Yeah. I know I can understand that. Um, And it's definitely hazy. Um, You can't see through it. Um, And we just have little tasters, but we can't see through it, uh, which is what you would expect from a New England style or haze IPA. I don't know. Do they classify this as New England IPA? Uh, yeah, so it on Untapped, this is classified as an IPA dash New England. Okay, so it is a New England style IPA. And you do get a lot of the the tropical notes and the citrus and that kind of stuff on the nose. So that it's a juicy nose, um, more like a honestly like orange juice, and not the flavor's not there, but that's sort of the sweetness you would expect from an orange juice. Yeah, that palate though. I feel it's more tropical. Mm. It's a little bit of mango, maybe pineapple. Yep. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite uh, haze IPAs. Just it, one because you can get it, just like the Ocha Vase. These are both styles of beer I really enjoy. I love a good New England IPA. I love a good Ghost. Goes. Uh, I can't always get those, but I can always turn to Sierra Nevada and get one. Are there better hazy IPAs out there? Definitely. Oh yeah, sure. There's some companies that this is strictly. All they do is juice juice bombs. Right. But can I get them all the time? No, I cannot. No. <laughs> so, so for, I mean, this is when you're having that New England IPA craving that you got to have a fix for, yeah. this is going to do it every time. And let's be honest, sometimes the best ability is availability. Mm. But <laughs> were you just holding on to that one all day? I don't, I mean, I really wasn't, but then I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll dr- drink this all watching football. And then football, like half the time, they say, well, you know, with the best ability for anyone that gets hurt, it's a violent sport. People get hurt. I don't know why we have to make excuses for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the flavors are good. Uh, it's very juicy. It's like Travis said, very tropical. I like this. Yeah, this is a good little foray for them into that style of beer. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have the the namesake Torpedo Extra IPA. 
Uh, it is the it is an American IPA. Like we said, it is not the American IPA. Unfortunately, Celebration comes out about six months from now, so we don't have any to taste. Um, it is 7.2% uh, ABV, 65 IBUs. They say it is a big American IPA with bold assertive flavors and aroma, a complex citrus pine and herbal character of whole cone American hops. This beer is behind their development of the hop torpedo. Also, the fact that they go out of their way to tell us that they have whole cone American hops, again, um, really proud of that. Yeah, they are. They really tout. And I think it's cool that that's what sets them apart from other craft breweries is the fact that they use that. And it really is something distinctive for them to hang their hat on. Yeah. And that, that aroma, it is, it is strong hops. Yeah. It's so 65 IBUs. This is getting fairly bitter. Still not pushing like the pernicious from Wicked Weed or even the uh, AVL from uh, Highland. If I remember yeah. So 70. it's, yeah. So this is like, it's starting to get pretty bitter. Um, it's still something that's not overly bitter where it's, uh, you get that piney smell on mm-hmm. the nose. The resin, there's more resin flavors in here. Um, and some of that, the lack of bitterness for as much hops as they use in the spirit is because of the torpedo process. By taking fer- uh, fermenting beer and running it through hops and more like a strainer situation several times, you're not picking up that extra hop bitterness. So while it smells a lot hoppier and bitter than it should be, and the taste on the front end to me would indicate that it's going to dry my mouth out. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting that on the back end. The back end's fairly moist. Yeah, it like it it dries you out just a touch, but not a lot. The pine is really forward for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, citrus kind of comes in, and then you get that herbaceous characteristic that they're talking about. It's like this grassy, yeah. herby taste, and it kind of lingers in there with the pine and mixes together. And uh, I really like that flavor in my beer, mm-hmm. um, in my IPAs. This is Torpedo is a really good, solid IPA if you're looking to try IPAs. Yeah. Uh, if you're not sure about them, you might want to start with something a little different. Um, the uh, like the hazy little thing. It's always a nice little thing. Um, however, the Torpedo, the Tropical Torpedo, which we're not tasting today, um, has a lot of the same characteristics as this beer, but instead of that um, that pine and resin, you get more of like the uh, tropical fruits that like we've talked about before, like your mangoes and your guavas. Yeah, and that uh, that may be a little easier for people to get into, but I really like the big, like they call it a big American IPA. It's a really big, bold flavor in it's extra torpedo. It is. It's an extra IPA. All right, so I think we should uh, move on. Uh, let's just kick this up a notch. Yeah. Ooh. As Andrew said, it is time to kick it up a notch. Our last two beers of the evening are the big boys. So first up, we have the Hoptimum. It is the triple IPA. Comes in at 10.4% ABV, 100 IBUs, super bitter, super hopped. It actually has an interesting story. So it was brewed by their beer camp brewers after they were challenged to push the extremes of whole cone hop brewing. There we go again with the whole cone hop brewing by a bunch of hop heads. Um, so it was kind of like a dare to see how much they could hop this beer. It is aggressively hopped, dry hopped, and then torpedoed. So that's almost redundant redundant in the hopping. So you're dry hopping the beer. So you're, you've already brewed it. You're tossing the hops into the fermenter. And then you're running that through your torpedo. Back into the fermenter that has dry hops. Oh, in my it. God. That's yeah. so many hops. <laughs> 
It's like somebody's just beating you to death with a hop. Would you say it's the optimum amount? Yeah. <laughs> Dang, that was a good one. So this is a mix of damn you. This is a mix of resinous new school and exclusive hop varieties. They don't tell you what actual hop varieties are in the optimum, and it is a yearly release. So like the bottle this year says 2018 edition mm -hmm. of optimum. So that would lead me to believe that they change this yearly. So um, this is actually interesting. So Sierra Nevada's website is very good about telling you what's in their beer. So if they don't want you to know what's in their beer, they don't tell you. Um, I know that sounds that sounds really dumb. I've said it. That um, is that nose is strong. <laughs> well, as Travis is, Travis drink uh, gets, gets into this thing. Um, but yeah, we as we were about to get ready for this episode, um, Travis asked me if I had any Hoptimum, and I thought, yeah, maybe. Turns out I did. <laughs> you had one left. I had already had it this year, but it just always gets me because I always pair this like when I'm drinking Hoptimum. I always at least have a couple of hot bullets or hot hunters mm -hmm. getting into that double IPA territory. So this kind of just kicks it over the edge. It's described as having a bold aromatic nose, notes of grapefruit, rind, lilac, cedar, and tropical fruit with a dry and lasting finish. So this is meant to dry your mouth out, whereas the torpedo didn't overly dry your mouth out. Right. And um, the nose, I'm not certain about that lilac. I, lilac is going to probably be the only, the main thing that I would not get out of this. So, like, yeah, I don't, as much as I can try and get out of this, I don't think I would ever pick up a flower out of this. I'll give you the cedar, um, the sort of pininess. Not, it's not piney, really, but it's more that um, that softwood tree. I love that we can use tree tree names. So like, when we talk about like BBAs and that, we talk about oak. And um, but no one talks about birch. We need birch barrels. That just sounds terrible. Why? I don't know. It just <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yeah, the cedar and for triples with me, it kind of actually on that nose, it starts to get astringenty. Mm -hmm. like close to getting to where it smells like rubbing alcohol a little bit. Yeah. Cause the high alcohol and everything. Yeah. Once you get that high alcohol, the tropical fruit may be kind of there. The rind is that pithy bitterness, like mm -hmm. the waxy orange peel that we've talked about before. It's just so hoppy. Like yeah. this just wrecks you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this beer actually. Um, I'd like a good triple IPA like anyone else. Um, and the front of the palate is good, um, at least for me. Like the very front's good, the back is good, but the middle just gets taken over by a flavor that I'm not a huge fan of. And I'm not sure what flavor that is. It probably is some, 100% has something to do with the hops because who knows what mm -hmm. malts are. It may not even be malts. It may just yeah. be. <laughs> well, I think it's that, it's that thing where it gets so hoppy, so bitter, that astringent quality, it gives it a, like thick coach or mouthfeel that yeah. you would associate with stouts that, but it's in an IPA. And it lacks that sweetness of a stout to really balance. Yeah. So your mouth's just coated in bitterness. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I like this beer, but I will probably only drink one in a sitting ever. Yeah. This is for me. I've already, usually the way I've been drinking Hoptimum this year and Travis is going to hate me for this is I've been having Hoptimum after I've had a, something or one or two other things because I don't like that, um, that mouthfeel in the middle, the way it just sort of coats the mouth, the, uh, the, the bitterness just sort of hits me in the middle. And I'm just not a huge fan of that. Yeah. This is not a beer to start your evening with and then work 
Yeah, once you start with this, you're done. Yeah, so (laughs) I I would actually, I'm not mad at you at all for that because I start out with at least probably some double IPAs or something and then work my way into one of this. Yeah, now the one thing I will say it has going for it is a lot of times with your doubles and your triple IPAs, in order to get the alcohol content up, you have to put so much sugar in, so many malts, so um, so much wheat that they're very sweet. This is not that. So I will give it that, um, which is great because I'm not a huge fan of my sweet doubles or sweet triples either. Um, So this is a really good um, variant compared to what what I normally expect from a triple IPA. Yeah. And with that, I think it's time to move on to the last beer for the evening. Andrew, take it away. All right. So this is the Bigfoot. This is the big one. This is the second oldest recipe of theirs that we are drinking tonight. Uh, This is the Bigfoot Barley Wine. It's a little lower in alcohol than the hot tomato, a little lower than IBU. It's 9.6% alcohol and 90 IBUs. Um, so like I said, with the hot tomato, they will tell you, uh, Sierra Nevada will tell you everything that's in the beer if they want you to know. So this beer, we can tell you is brewed with ale yeast, which are different than lager yeast. There, it is used with Chinook is the bittering hop. So that goes into your wort. Your finishing hop is your Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. Those three hops, the Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook, are also used in the Celebration Ale. So these are pretty common hops for, um, and the Cascade's part of the Pale Ale. So these are the hops that they really like to use a lot of up at uh, Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, this beer was originally introduced in 1983 and is uh, malted with a two-row pelt and a caramel malt, which gives it a beautiful little color. It's a, not quite a brown ale, but it's def- the color's a brown ale, but it's not thick like a brown ale. Yeah, it's or- kind of more of like a... This is a dark, deep amber. Yeah. This when you think of deep amber, <laughs> not that like they say the pale ale is, this is what I'm thinking of when it says deep amber. Yeah. Um, so they recommend, I actually have to go buy another bottle of this. Um, they recommend that with the Bigfoot, buy at least buy more than one, age them. And then you do a, a tasting. So every Bigfoot cap has a year stamped on it in a foot. Um, ours is the 2018. So we're drinking a fresh 2018 Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they recommend that you uh, age them and try them uh, every couple of years. And this is so. what lends itself to that uh, trip in the woods series that they do where they barrel age and make mm-hmm. Bigfoot variants. And I'm going to be honest, I do not like barley wines. almost at all exclusively (laughs) it's like one of the only styles of beer that i do not like um it's it's a weird one for me the barley wines the wheat wines um sometimes i really like them sometimes i really don't i know the first time i had a barley wine i absolutely hated it i also didn't understand how much alcohol was in it i got home i felt i laid out on the couch next thing i knew i was between the couch and our (laughs) glass table not sure how i got there either (laughs) man yeah barley wine is sneaky uh, so this is described as having huge hoppiness and its earthy aroma, a chewy palate, and a great depth of flavor. It's a uh, dry hop and open fermented. So with dry hopping, you add hops to the fermenters to increase the flavor without adding the bitterness, similar to the torpedo uh, system. On a the, lesser scale. Yeah, on a lesser scale. You're sort of hoping for diffusion as opposed to um, straining things through. Yeah. Um, I will say it's got a good earthy aroma. It is earthy. Um, and I guess we should go back. That open fermentation means that it's actually not uh, sealed off in a container. It's actually open and allowed to breathe, it, um, oh. which I think is interesting because the ale yeast is the same, typically the same yeast you would have in a pale ale or an IPA, which are usually closed fermented. Yeah, this, God, 
<laughs> so Travis is not enjoying this one bit. No, I am, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. I actually am. Um, it is. It has a thick mouthfeel, which I, which while I tr- did not care for on the Hoptimum, I think it goes well here. I think the caramel malt creates a very good, um, you know, it's a little sweeter flavor, um, which I think balances out the mouthfeel well. And then the uh, the caramel, there's a little tones of caramel I'm picking up in there. Yeah, I think it for me, what it is is like barley wines. As I'm sitting here trying to think of how to describe this, it's that astringent flavor. An aspect that we described because it's such high alcohol, such high IBUs. It's like a mix. Barley wines are such a mix of like pieces of different styles of beer that individually I love in those styles of beers. But when you put it together, the astringentness and the high hop, so like a triple IPA. Then it's got the malty yeast caramel from like a amber ale, a brown ale, something like that. Then you get the bitterness of an IPA you get this malt bill from like pale ales and other stuff and it just like for me for some reason it does not play well on my palate at all like these things are so hard for me to drink and (laughs) (laughs) he's trying folks it goes into wheat wine see I'm doing it for the pod but this is this is hurting so we've had a a couple of good episodes with some fun flavor some fun styles that um yeah, we each both don't enjoy. You know, there's some things that people don't go with for the flavors for whatever profile it is. Um, Travis really likes tends to like saisons, farmhouses, pilsners. I don't know how much you like pilsners, but you like them a lot more than I do. Yeah, um, I, I like the lighter stuff that you hate, and yeah. you tend to like the stuff that I hate. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to like the the overly boozy or punchy uh, Scotch ales um, and barley wines, I used to I used to not like them for all the reasons Travis is saying, but I love them now. Um, wheat wines, these, some of these otter varieties where you have um, a different uh, malt build that creates such an odd flavor and palate. Those are beers I enjoy. Yeah. And see, like, I love a scotch ale and I think that's what it is. Is like, this is between like, if you mix the scotch ale with a triple IPA, that's kind of okay. what a barley wine is to me. And I, I don't care for it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, with this pot isn't about us just doing beers that we like. It's about us profiling the breweries. It's about us profiling some of their big beers. And when you do Sierra Nevada, you can't ignore the Bigfoot. It's one of their oldest beers. It's one of their yeah. biggest beers. And, you know, we just set personal preferences aside some time and power <laughs> through it. And, I mean, it just makes us get out of our comfort zone, which is always good. So we don't drink the same thing continuously. Yeah, and you'll see this. Um, so you especially saw this in our Mother Earth episode where – I don't like a lot of the styles we have from Mother Earth. I do not care for them in general. Mother Earth's beer, I liked for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a few, like the Pilsner. I, I don't like Pilsners. I, I haven't found one I truly enjoy. Hoppy Pilsners, I tend to be more on board with because I like the hot build. Uh, but most of the beers from Mother Earth, I would not personally have ever picked up, except that we were profiling them. And so I got to enjoy a lot of beers that I would, I would never in a million years just buy on the shelf on my own. Yeah. So, so with that, Andrew, any final thoughts on Sierra Nevada? Try them all. There's only what, like 40. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, um, yeah. more than that. We have both been to the brewery in Mills river. Neither of us have been to the Chico brewery. We highly recommend going to a Sierra Nevada brewery, specifically the Mills river. If you're in North Carolina, um, it, it's a ton of fun. They've got a wonderful brewery tour. Take the tour. You got a lovely flight tasting afterwards, but you really get to learn more about the history of Sierra Nevada, um, how 
how they came to be and some of their their uh, desire to be good stewards of the environment. Um, their beers are good. They have a huge variety. They have a great um, portfolio um, for any taste, really. Um, we avoided a, a lot of different beers. Uh, we When we were going to the bottle shop, uh, we really try and limit what we taste on the show to, you know, something we can drink in a night. So five, six, seven, eight, maybe. Ooh, yeah. Um, eight, eight's pushing it. But with Sierra Nevada, we went, we could have wound up with 10, 15. Um, and these were just their regular year round in the seasonal bill. Yeah. Beers. And that's, that's something that I think is my takeaway from the Sierra Nevada is a great brewery, tons of good beer. Mm-hmm. Just go mix a few sixers of this and try them get out there and find the styles you like from them. They always have a place in my fridge. I'm constantly looking for the new packs when they come out to keep them, take them out. If we go over to somebody's house for the night uh, for a get together, it always is a great choice and a mixed 12 pack to get. I love their brewery, love the beer. Uh, it's just, it's always going to be one of those that I keep on hand and return to again and again. Well, I'd say it's Sierra Nevada. Give it a try. Yep. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating in whichever app you found us on. We value your feedback, and it also helps the show reach more viewers. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for future breweries, or are with a brewery and would like to join us, feel free to tweet at or follow us on Twitter at Brew underscore News. On Untapped, Travis is Mather Nuts, and Andrew is Tuba Steve. We're on Instagram at BrewNewsPod, and you can visit our website, BrewNewsPod.com, where we will post our tasting and episode notes. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week to look at another exciting brewery. Cheers! Cheers.